Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Joe Maker from Motley Fool Inside Value. Chris Hill is out this week, and I've got the keys to the car. Joining me from Motley Fool Asset Management today is Tim Hansen and from Million Dollar Portfolio, Charlie Travers. Gentlemen, welcome. I am ready for a bumpy ride, Joe. <laughs> Let's do this. I'm glad you've got low expectations. Uh, we got a lot to cover today, including results from Home Depot, Michael Kors, and another stink bomb from Groupon. But let's start with Germany. Uh, Tim, Germany's Federal Statistical Bureau reported second quarter GDP grew 0.3%. Not amazing, but higher than forecast. We keep hearing things are terrible in Europe, but this is somewhat better than we've heard. Is this something we should be excited about? I'm not sure what exactly this data is telling us. Uh, you know, 0.3% isn't isn't a lot of percent. I mean, as you said, it was better than expectations. But since these things tend to have a little bit of a margin of error associated with them, this is so close to zero that it's hard to know, you know, exactly what's going on in Germany at present. I mean, what we do know is that Germany is an export-driven economy and that the bulk of its exports are going out to the rest of continental Europe and that most businesses in continental Europe are reporting really, really sharp declines. Um, you know, Legrand, for example, is a, is a French sort of building uh, electronics company. They do lighting and exit switches and that sort of thing. And, um, you know, their sales were down double digits in Italy. Um, they were down sharply in France. And so, you know, I think those are leading indicators. And at the end of the day, it's going to come back to Germany. And I think things are getting worse, not better, even though people are somewhat optimistic about this number. But, you know, people are searching for something to be optimistic over there. So it's, it's, it's understandable to have them latch on to something. Both of you guys spend a lot of time looking at international companies. Are there any that jump out at you right now as something that listeners should be looking at? Uh, one company I like from our UK service share advisor is called Burberry Group, and we're going to talk about a company later in our show, Michael Kors. Uh, it's a similar theme. Uh, it's, uh, it's an affordable luxury, a well-managed business uh, that's really nailing it all cylinders on the global growth story. And if these kind of businesses can invest in their brand and successfully spread their brand around the world, uh, these kind of companies can do pretty well. Uh, but the uh, businesses that are focused on particularly Southern Europe, are in a lot of trouble, in my view. I got to say, if you think Burberry is affordable luxury, then I need you to negotiate my next contract. <laughs> Every time I go in there, I feel totally Well, not poor. everything is like $2,000. Okay. Well, they're pushing up. I mean, like, you know, I, I think Charlie's on to something there. You know, we've been hitting this point for a while now, which is the non-Euro-Euro companies, which, you know, companies that are in Europe but selling increasing amounts of wares abroad. Burberry certainly fits that bill. You know, not only have they tried to become more global over the past few years under under their CEO and CFO are relatively new. Um, they've tried to become more global, also more luxurious, and also branch out into beyond raincoats into you know fragrances and and high end handbags that sort of thing. And so what you see with Burberry now is these huge flagship stores in places like Hong Kong and Seoul and um, you know Cutter and, and these places. I'll, I'll do Charlie one better though I think, and say so you can hit the same theme at a cheaper price with a better management team if you go with the Italian leather goods company, Todd's. Okay. <laughs> well, that's for all our Italian leather goods company fans out there. Uh, Groupon shares are off 25% today after reporting second quarter sales growth sequentially of 2%. Oops. Yeah. What's what's the deal? Well, it's not just 25% today. This is a stock that's down 80% since they IPO'd last November. It's been a 
absolutely horrible ride for Groupon shareholders. I want to set the stage a little bit. Uh, yesterday, they closed with a $5 billion market cap, and they did $175 million free cash flow over the last 12 months. So that's a very, very lofty 28 times multiple. Uh, some companies can pull that off and sustain you know, a very inflated valuation for a long time, a company like Chipotle or Intuitive Surgical. But the trick is you can never stop growing at a fast rate, and you can never have the market's expectations reset downward. So when Groupon guided for Q3, three of very slow revenue growth and actually operating income that was going to be down from what they did in Q1 and Q2 of this year. Uh, that's the pin going into the balloon, and you see the stock pop today. Uh, and even at a $3.6 billion market cap, it's pretty questionable. I mean, what I find incredible about the Groupon results is this is a company that, by virtue of the way they book revenue, which is their revenue is equal to you know the value of the coupon sold. So if they sell a $50 dinner coupon to you know, uh, Chipotle, and Chipotle does 20, gets $25 of that, and Groupon gets $25 of that. Groupon books all 50 as revenue. So it'd be really easy for them to go out there and inflate revenue by just offering merchants better terms, right? Oh, we'll let you keep, you know, 30 of it this time or 35, because they can still book the top line fully. Obviously, they'll suffer on the bottom line, but if they can manage their top line seemingly very easily. So the fact that they're slowing down this dramatically on the top line indicates to me that they're seeing some sort of real resistance for merchants continuing to participate in their coupon programs. I mean, anecdotally, we've heard that here in D.C. of people who are like, I'm never going to do you know, small businesses that just can't handle the working capital pressure uh, that Groupon puts on them or the, or the terms that they get from Groupon. And they don't want to work with the company. And so I think it's what, what, what you're starting to find is that uh, the merchants, which Groupon needs to, you know, to be in business, um, if they don't want to work with them, and I think that's what is starting to happen, Groupon's in real trouble. Well, so they made an interesting comment in that vein in the call. So Groupon gets two-thirds of its revenue outside of the United States, most of that in Western Europe. And they were saying European vendors are not getting the value that the merchants here in the States do. But as Tim mentioned, that's already questionable in the first place. Yeah. So not good. Not good. Is what you're saying. And you're seeing more and more you know, competitors pop up. You know, the Washington City Paper, for example, does City Paper coupons now for local you know, local readers. And the point of anybody who has a, a concentrated readership base that could arguably send people to your establishment, they're a natural competitor in the in that coupon business. And so it doesn't see, I mean, Groupon has no moat. And if they have right. no relationships, they have, they have no competitive advantage. You know, it's just, and it's just a matter of time. Yeah. I don't want to throw out a big, I told you so, but here's a big, I told you so, which is that when these guys IPO'd, we came on here and just trashed them uh, mercilessly for being wildly overvalued and being a total no-mode business, and the stock's just been slaughtered. For the sake of trying to put on our contrarian contrarian hats, though, should we cut these guys a little bit of slack? I mean, it's only a four-year-old company. Most four-year-olds can't even read. They're off to a pretty decent start in a, in a broad sense. I Did mean, you pre-write under- that joke? No. You just came up with it now? <laughs> no. That's good. <laughs> So, I mean, do you give these guys a little bit of slack? Well, I mean, in, in terms of what? How they're going to do, like, do you think they're going to get better going forward? Where- I'd say both operationally and, like, in the management sense. Is, is Andrew Mason still young and he'll grow into the role, or do they need to boot this guy, or does he need to step aside maybe and find, like, a co-CEO, somebody with a little more well, I don't know. I don't, I don't know about you, Charlie, but I don't know what this business has to offer a long-term shareholder because it's got no moat. So they've got to get into something, doing something that's more defensible. But the other things I'm reading about them is that they're seeing massive turnover in their sales ranks. And, you know, sales is already a line of work with high turnover. And, you know, there are all sorts of battles now going on with Groupon alleging that 
businesses in different cities are poaching their staff. The staff is demoralized by the falling stock price. You know, it just there seems to be so many things wrong. Frankly, I don't see how they fix it. And as you pointed out, this thing has seemed like it was set up to fail, you know, since it went public. And even before that, I was shocked when Google offered to buy them for what, like six billion? Yeah, it was double today's price. I mean, yeah. it's crazy. But they they probably should have. I mean, they rode a wave. The wave is ebbing. They should have gotten out. They got greedy. Always take the money. Is that the lesson? The Charlie Travers School of Negotiation. Uh, Home Depot reported strong second quarter results this morning, raised full-year guidance. Tim, what's a skinny with Home Depot? You know, this is is not surprising to me. One data point that I keep pretty careful tabs on is uh, uh, building permit data that the census publishes every month. And, and it's good because it comes out relatively close to real time, and they give you both the number of permits and the value of those permits. And unlike a lot of things like housing starts or the unemployment rate or the, those sorts of things, these are just tallies, so they can't be – they're not rationalized. They, you know, the number is what the number is. Um, and, and in this case, per- building permits and the value of building permits have both, both been rising sharply uh, year over year, and they're getting back to you know, number, levels that we hadn't seen since 07, um, 08, uh, which, is, you know, which is a very good thing. And you're starting to see Home Depot, you know, had good results. Um, you know, Fortune Brands uh, had, had better than expected results recently. So I think we're starting to see some life in the housing market. It's not back to what was normal. I don't know when it will get there, but it's getting better. And that's a good thing for the economy overall, just because, A, it's a great sign of confidence that people are willing to, you know, work, put work back into their homes. And also, housing is such a huge part of the U.S. economy that if it starts going better, that's, you know, that's the thing that needs to happen before Things like unemployment get better. So watching the simple numbers said that Home Depot was, should do, should have done well, and they did. Yeah. Well, what I think is interesting is we talk a lot of time about a rising tide lifting all boats here. But when you look back over the last few years, Home Depot has just smoked Lowe's. The stock's up about 50% over the last five years, and Lowe's is actually down a little bit. Uh, maybe I'm just ranting and there's no question there, but do you guys have any thoughts about Lowe's or Home Depot going forward over the next five years? You know, I, I I don't specifically. I think you know both companies tend to be. They're both obviously very large, a lot of stores, and and they've broken up basically into a duopoly. So I think to the extent that they, that you know, when one wins, the other loses. That's natural. You know, if you go back before Home Depot started smoking Lowe's, the reason Home Depot started smoking Lowe's because they were working off a lower base after Lowe's had smoked Home Depot yeah. during the Nardelli years. So it, it's basically a low growth duopoly. So to the extent you're going to make money investing in either, you're going to get the one that's cheaper with the rising tide lifting both boats because, you know, eventually they'll, Lowe's will tweak its formula again and they'll catch up on market share and Home Depot will pull back a little bit. I think it's just sort of natural. It's like, you know, UPS and FedEx. The best way to play with them is to, you know, if you want to get complicated, do like little pairs trade type thing. But just keep it, you know, they are what they are. I'm looking forward to our new newsletter on pairs trading <laughs> featuring Tim Hansen. I can't do that. I'm not, I'm not legally allowed. Uh, <laughs> Michael Kors shares are up 14% today after reporting first quarter sales growth of 71% and comps north of 30%. Pretty amazing numbers. Uh, Charlie, you're one of the few guys who makes an effort to look presentable at the office, though not, not today. today not from today. The <laughs> uh, what do you make of Kors Quarter? Uh, those aren't the kind of numbers you see every day, Joe. Uh, 37% comps is unbelievable. Uh, and it led to 185% growth on the bottom line. Not surprisingly, the stock has done well as a result. Uh, this is actually a 30-year-old company that IPO'd last December, and this stock has doubled. So it's done very well in contrast to a lot of other IPOs from recent years, not just Groupon, uh, but like Arcos Dorados and Zipcar, which have struggled. 
Uh, and so what Michael Kors did was not just strong numbers in the current quarter, but they guided uh, up. So next quarter, they're going to do sales of $500 million, also doing 30% comps again, which is not sustainable in the long run, but take it while you can get it. And they raised their earnings guidance for the full year from a buck twelve to a buck thirty four, and the market obviously likes that. Yeah, I have this theory that twenty percent of that are just points from J.C. Penny refugees. Right. <laughs> well, this is the you know there's a big slap in the face of Coach, which just had yeah. disappointing earnings and said that oh you know the environment's not good. We had to, you know we had some merchandising problems specifically at their outlet stores, and, and Coors not only said, you know, we're not having those problems, but basically alluded to the fact that they're taking a lot of share yep. from Coach, which is which is interesting, you know, because when a branding business starts losing customers, a branded business starts losing customers, you start to wonder about the brand, which is where so much of Coach's value is locked up. And I've heard a lot of folks recently talk about how interesting they think Coach is at these prices, but when someone is clearly, you know, hitting them in the face, hitting them in the jaw, yeah. you got to wonder what's going on. So the stock's selling about 37 times forward earnings, but I'm being really gracious with forward, right? Because it's selling about 70 times trailing. Right. I, is this something you're interested in? I mean, 70 and 70 on a peg ratio basis, which I don't really trust. But on a peg ratio basis, we're talking about one-to-one. Well, I looked at their cash flow, and over the last year, they've done less than $30 million free cash flow. And a lot of that comes from uh, you know adding back stock, uh, stock compensation. Uh, so no, absolutely not. I think it's even worse on a cash flow basis than it is on an earnings basis. So I would not touch the stock right here. Cutting to a serious subject, yesterday we talked about the newest addition to the Travers family, He's uh, getting a new dog, a golden retriever, Molly. That's right? right. And we asked listeners to send in any advice for Charlie on how to introduce Molly to his precious kitten, Olive. Uh, here's a letter from Vic in Chicago. <laughs> hey, guys. I'd like to say first that I love the show. Uh, puppy advice for Charlie. Buy little treats to train Molly, especially when she is in the air quotes, no-no places, or just walks in any direction she pleases. I'm not sure what the no-no places are. I'd like are. to hear what the yeah. no-no places in Charlie's house, Charlie's house are. <laughs> um, and here's one from Monty. I would suggest to invest in high-quality dog food such as Innova. Yes, there's an organic movement going on in pet food, too. You'll pay a lot less on vet bills over time from your dog eating at Whole Foods every day instead of McDonald's. I saw drastic improvements in my dog's health when I did this. Now, Charlie, this isn't your first dog. Right? No. Jody so, was a wonderful dog. That's right. How do you feel about the organic pet food movement? Uh, Doritos are good for me. They're good for the dog. <laughs> uh, what is your outlook on the merger of these two pets? Uh, I, I would say the cat has its claws and the cat will be the boss. Uh, Goldens are docile by nature. And, and it, the cat's going to set the tone here. You are leaving the claws in. That's right. See, that doesn't seem fair to me. So fair to who? To the dog? Yeah. The dog's got 50 pounds on this cat. Yeah, but they're coming in at the same time. Like, the dog's not going to realize the strength. And I, I trim the claws. I got little cat nail clippers. What do you think? You know, statistics show that most mergers fail. Uh, this one, though, cat dog, it's worked in the past. It could work again. You know, this is, this is kind of, I don't think this is a Skype, eBay thing. Um, I think we're looking more at like a, um, I don't know, what's a merger that's worked? I view it as an I arranged marriage. I tried to think of one before the show, and I couldn't <laughs> yeah. come up with one. Like, if you're, if you're uh, France in the Middle Ages, and you're trying to keep England and Spain off your back, you marry off one of your kids to one of their kids, and that's how it works. Who are you trying to keep off your back here? The cat. Those Got guys it. are sharp. So you're basically living out Game of Thrones with your pets. Yes. Are you thinking about getting another pet? Uh, we're having a daughter 
pretty soon here. So I, I think that's all we can. Have. We got to figure out this introduce the daughter to the son bit, which is. <laughs> I think Although I think some of these, you know, cat. get the organic food, put yeah. treats in the no-go place. That could work with that Ben also. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll call it there. Um, as always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, especially me. And The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. I'm Joe Mager, and thanks for listening. What I heard was Joe calling your baby a pet. <laughs> ah, got you know, column A, column B. <laughs> I have a lot of the same qualities. Right. The baby's less independent. <laughs> <laughs>